Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined today by Eric Nolin, publisher of Inside Texas. How are you doing today, Eric? I'm doing great, Bobby. How are you? You know, trying to trying to uh, make it through this offseason, uh, talking a little Texas football. Uh, Eric, uh, you normally join us for our state of the program every week, uh, where we really try to go in depth on uh, where Texas is at a, at a pro, as a program. Uh, today, we want to talk a little bit of uh, off-season workouts. We're going to talk a little bit about a couple of other programs, uh, the ba- men's and women's basketball, uh, as well as some other uh, topics. But uh, thanks for joining me, and uh, let's go ahead and get started. You ready? Sure. Far All right. Hey, uh, my first question really came from uh, a combination of reports that you put out uh, last week and then this week, and it's uh, centered around. It centers around. Uh, what you discussed as the workout regimen and type of regimen they're doing. And then beyond that, how they're uh, splitting up into groups and making it uh, more competitive among the, among the team, I guess. Uh, if you don't mind, for people that haven't read that or uh, even, even for further clarification that people want to understand it better, uh, kind of give us that that in a nutshell a little bit and then maybe expound expand on it a little bit later. Yeah, well, we know the offseason is huge for Sark in a number of different regards. Obviously, he had to upgrade talent. I think he's done that. He had to upgrade the coaching staff with uh, recruiters and energy, and he did that. Uh, a big part of the offseason remains, and that's, that's you know, we're going to see what, what he was able to accomplish in the next couple months, uh, maybe even leading up to the spring game or whether or not he added strength to the team. Now, because these players are so far, uh, far away from plateauing, we should see them make a lot of increases uh, rather rapidly. Uh, so we're going to, you know, I don't know if they're going to ever post numbers or make them public, but I know that these guys are going to start getting a lot stronger very quick just because there's a lot of meat left on the bone uh, for them to make improvements. They went in an entirely different direction uh, than Yancey McKnight when they first arrived. And I think we saw that on the field. Maybe we didn't see it enough on the field in their intended way uh, with big play scoring. Uh, but, you know, I think that those plays were there. I think that, you know, they weren't lacking speed or athleticism last year. That's not why they lost any games last year. Um, you know, the athletes looked athletic. They weren't stiff, but they were weak at the point of attack. And they're addressing that first and foremost in strength and conditioning. Um, you know, it's not, you know, there's no reason to reinvent the wheel. It's easy to get stronger. There's about five different lifts you do. You do them frequently with consistency and, and you, you keep adding weight and you're going to get stronger. It's just guaranteed. It's one of the few things in life that, that we're guaranteed. If you put in the work, you're going to get results. And in the weight room is one of them. So they're attacking that uh, with fervor. But then another big issue is uh, team-wide leadership. And I think, um, you know, that all came to a head publicly uh, when Bo Davis had to, had to uh, you know, tell the bus to, to uh, you know, take that loss after Iowa State seriously. You know, that should, have been, that should have been a player stepping up and saying that and not one of the coaches. So Texas's issues there got got aired rather publicly, um, and I think you know they're trying to uh, make this more of a player-driven team than a coach-driven team. Uh, and any athlete that's played at a high level will tell you that that's that's where your best uh, that that's where your best teams are going to be get their leadership from. You know, Vince Young uh, was known to lead that team. It wasn't a Mac Brown-led team. It was a Mac Brown coach team, but it was a Vince Young-led team. Uh, and and they're going through uh, they're doing they're going through a pretty uh, strict regimen to try to produce those, those team leaders uh, to get them to where they're leading naturally. So you, you, I think this is all great and stuff. Um, take us inside a little bit of how, it, you mentioned how they're separating into groups and, um, and attacking some of their weightlifting and stuff like that from a team perspective by separating into smaller yeah. groups. 
Yeah, well, I mean, Sarkeesian identified his, his team leaders. Uh, you know, they've got they've broken them up into eight teams. Uh, another thing is to, to, to try to uh, create cohesiveness across the, the team. Uh, you know, a lot of times teams are cliquish between offense and defense. So that's another goal that they have going on. So one leader, if, if the main team leader is offense, then the, the co-leader is on defense and vice versa. Uh, so they're trying to they're trying to, to create that cohesion that, that's been a longstanding issue at Texas where the players weren't necessarily close, you know, depending on what, what side of the ball they played or positions. Um, and so so that the, the team leaders are um, they're the, they're the ones that drafted the players. So this is basically this is, you know, the, the coaches laid out the outline and then they're letting the, the players take it from there. So in the draft, I thought it was funny that, you know, a lot of this has to do with accountability and doing things, things the right way. So Bijan Robinson used a lot of his draft picks on the walk ons who are kind of there because they're they're there to do things the right way uh, and try to get that cultural buy-in uh, started from the ground up. Well, Bijan's trying to do it from the top down as well. Uh, and, and it's no surprise that his team is uh, in the lead last time I checked. Um, but yeah, so that that is mainly about accountability. Bobby doing uh, not missing lifts, uh, not missing meals. Um, you know, it's a, there's part of a dress code to it. There's even, uh, you know, making sure you're hydrated, not to go on a Tom Herman tangent or anything like that. <laughs> Uh, but it's basically just trying to instill uh, program-wide accountability and having it player-driven accountability as opposed to coach-driven accountability. Not asking for all eight of those leaders, because I'm not sure, you, I don't know if you know them all, but who are a couple of the others that, that uh, are, uh, are, are in that spot? Uh, I know Rashawn Johnson is one. That's no surprise. Uh, Xavier Worthy, that's not really a surprise, except, you know, he's, he's young, so maybe in that way it is. But he came in like, he came in with that sort of leadership mentality. Uh, Keandre Coburn is one, I believe. DeMarvin Overshone is another. Um, Hudson Card is a co-leader, not a not a main team leader, I don't believe. Uh, yeah, I don't know all of them, but I mean, I could find that out. You know, but, no, no, I, I got you. That's that's good. I, I think it just gives color so people understand really where that's going. Well, um, I've I've heard of where some of the guys were drafted, and it's basically how we kind of outline it. You know, we walk very softly around some of those issues. You know, the guys that are kind of struggling and. Uh, not always doing the right thing. And I think the draft, from what I've heard about it, the draft kind of went in an order that you'd expect, like, oh, yeah, well, that guy's going to get drafted early and that guy's going to get drafted later. Um, so the players know the players know themselves. And that's a good way for the players that aren't doing things the right way that, hey, this isn't coming from the coaches. I got drafted this way because this is what my fellow, my fellow uh, teammates think of me. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, whenever you put competition in it, you find out real quick who you, who's getting drafted where because everybody – all those guys are going to want to compete. They're not just picking their friends to be picking their friends, I don't think. Nope, not at all. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at it, Eric, and you've mentioned the need for increasing uh, strength at the point of the point of attack. We've talked about uh, adding uh, pieces of the puzzle uh, through the scheme. Or not through the scheme, but uh, through recruiting. Um, anything you expect them to do or work on this offseason schematically? Um, like, you know, whether it's Gary Patterson uh, and what he brings to the table potentially, although I don't know that that's he's really coming in to, to, to advise on scheme or Brendan Marion and the go-go offense. What are there any small tweaks or thoughts that you have on, on what they might be working on kind of behind the scenes to improve or, or augment what they did last year? Yeah, I haven't heard as much on defense, uh, which is kind of surprising. Uh, but at the same time, I think that was more of a – I do believe – I'm very loath to blame players, but I, I do think that that was a lot of player-driven issues last year. Uh, maybe the adjustment to those player-driven issues could have been a lot better. 
but the issues stemmed initially from those uh, uh, lack of talent, uh, you know, lack of familiarity too. Um, you know, they weren't coached up well on the on the defensive line, and I'm not sure that was uh, anything to do with PK and Bo Davis. Uh, you know, that, that could have been a longstanding issue, especially on the edge. Texas hasn't played well on the edge in a very long time. Um, and so it, I, I know that they think cohesion is going to be a big part of it, doing the same things, uh, doing same things uh, with repetition. Uh, but I think, you know, they're, they're banking on getting better play, you know, better safety help, better linebacker play, and better play on the edge. Uh, I haven't heard a whole lot of cohesion uh, or uh, schematic shifts on there. I'm not sure that they will. And, I, you know, I don't even know that the fans would even pick up on any changes. They would automatically see that they're playing better and go, hey, the coaches must have done something different. Well, the coaches aren't doing much different other than they've got better place, uh, pieces in, in, in place and those pieces know what to do. Uh, you know, a lot of times when, when they say that, um, that Jimmy Joe's are more important than the X's and O's, this is what they mean. These types of transitions can happen rather quickly. Saw it big time at Michigan State this past year. Uh, get better pieces in place, and all of a sudden the coaches are great at their job. Uh, on offense, uh, I, I do expect Brendan Marion to have some influence. Um, I think they're going to look for ways to get more dynamic. Uh, and, you know, they weren't necessarily lacking that last year, but it was pretty straightforward for a, for a Sarkeesian offense. Uh, I think that they're going to take some elements and, and try to apply it in this, in this uh, screen game um, and maybe get running backs more involved. And I think they're going to use motion even more uh, uh, with the pieces that they want to get the matchups uh, that they're looking for. You know, they do have some dynamic weapons. Uh, you could probably line up uh, Isaiah Nair in the same spot every time, but if you do that, you're still going to want to move around Xavier Worthy. Uh, Keelan Robinson, I think, is going to when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply going to play uh, a lot more this, this next season another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app find a location near you at bank of slash talk to us what would you like the power to do Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. That's interesting. So, and Marion's offense is considered, he's famous, or not famous is not the right word, but known for uh, the two-back offense a lot, even though he's a receivers coach. What, you know, does that mean that we're going to see Bijan and Roshan on the field yeah, more instead of just in the wildcat formation? I mean, is that what you're thinking or is it with a matching Bijan with a guy like Keelan Robinson, where you have one guy that can pound it and one guy that's kind of that scat back? Yeah. I don't think we're going to see nearly as much wildcat next year. You know, I don't think they're going to feel the need to do that with uh, quarterback play improving, uh, but it's basically two, two running backs offset to the same side. 
Uh, and one of them off, often serves as a lead blocker. And I think that's where, you know, Rashawn Johnson has those fullback traits. He's got traits for any type of position, really. I mean, no, yeah. he's a great, I mean, he's, he's the glue. I mean, it's like we talked about before. He, he can be, a, he could be a credible H-back blocker uh, from that position, but also, uh, you know, clearly he's a dangerous runner as well. Uh, and that's a good way to get him looks between the tackles. So, yeah, it's it's uh you're gonna see a lot more of that. They have they have more depth. Um, you know, especially with Jonathan Brooks is is ready to you know if, if there was no Bijan Robinson this year, Jonathan Brooks would get you know 150 carries probably. Uh, you know, they really like him. So it, the the two back sets allow them to to go deeper into the into the talent pool. But um, yeah, it, it, I think you know the running game is gonna have some tweaks for sure. Uh, but I think the um, I think they're gonna collaborate more, and we're gonna see something that maybe that that they haven't done individually by themselves as much. Uh, but I, I think we're going to see more dynamic uh, shifts and uh, motioning around to get guys open. That's, that's what I'm looking for. The run game, yeah, they'll have more two-back sets. Uh, but they also like to use tight ends. And if you're running two-back sets, you don't have as many tight ends out there either. Eric Nolene, a publisher of Inside Texas, joining us today for the state of the program. Eric, um, I want to ask you, you and I talked two weeks ago uh, about Isaiah Nayor. Uh, and how he came, he's gotten a bunch of positive publicity, at least, and positive publicity, positive feedback that we've heard early in his time in Austin. Um, how, what are you hearing about your, Quinn Ewers, Ryan Watts, Jaleel Billingsley? I, I, I read something you wrote, I think, the other day about Ryan Watts, the, the cornerback from, from uh, uh, Ohio State transferred in. Yeah, well, we know Watts is big and physical, but, you know, what I heard the other day was that he's just outright fast. And so, you know, that's very exciting. Um, you know, he got recruited to play in the boundary uh, corner. Um, he could stay at corner because of his length and his physicality, and he's got good footwork. I think uh, Paul Paul Wadlington mentioned it well. He's got a uh, good width radius. And I kind of mentioned something similar to that. He's like a boxer that can cut off the ring. Uh, he can guide the wide receiver where he wants to. So that that's good. Uh, but, you know, does he have that makeup speed? And, and, you know, length helps with makeup speed for sure. But we're hearing he's just downright fast. Now, that doesn't mean he's the fastest corner. That's still Deshaun Jameson. Uh, but, but yeah, if you start hearing things like that, that you, that are a little unexpected, that, that adds some excitement and, and really a lot of confidence that he'll stick at boundary, boundary corner and, and play at a high level. Uh, if he truly is fast, then, you know, you're looking at a, you know, early first, second, third round draft pick, uh, most likely. Gotcha. Anything new on Quinn Ewers or, or, uh, Jaleel Billingsley? Uh, man, nothing new on Ewers, uh, uh, you know, he's, throwing the rock around every everybody talks about how great his arm is the coaches love his arm the passing ability is is you know as evident as it was coming out of high school um you know you know they feel based on the physical traits that uh that you know he really is that 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 guy that that uh deserved that ranking um just a natural passer of the ball um yeah i mean he's he's known as quiet around the facilities that doesn't mean he's a uh, you know totally isolated or anything uh, uh but yeah, he is quiet, but I think that's that to me shows awareness. You know, you don't walk into a brand new situation and, and just start blabbing around. You've got to earn your right to, to talk and speak openly. Uh, you can definitely, you know, motivate your, your teammates to work along, but you're not going to come in and start start busting chops right out of the gates. Uh, and then who's oh, oh Billingsley? Yeah, the, what we hear about him is just that he's incredibly athletic. That's the, the number one thing we hear there. Um, you know, it's he's definitely still getting used to Austin and, and the new environment, I think. Uh, coming from from Alabama and Tuscaloosa, that's, that's a pretty big jump. Um, but you know he's got he's got Keelan Robinson there that's that's made the transition as well. Uh, but yeah, you know we know we we hear when he's out there running around that he's just uh, he's just different from from most tight ends. Yeah, uh, having been to Tuscaloosa many times, 
uh, and uh, to Austin, you know, have, having gone to school in Texas, it, they are, uh, they could not be more different towns uh, yeah. than, than those two. Um, you know, uh, I want to switch quickly to basketball. Um, great story in basketball. Uh, Andrew Jones uh, posted, uh, I think it was two or three days ago. Yeah. Now, four years in remission yeah. uh, for him from cancer, uh, Longhorn uh, guard. Uh, Longhorn's currently in basketball, men's basketball, 18 and seven, uh, number 20 in the country. They lost a, a bad game uh, on Saturday to Baylor. That wasn't even close. Yeah. Um, Chris Beard, the head coach, kind of got into him a little bit about it. Uh, tonight, uh, on Tuesday night, uh, 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 the Longhorns uh, go to Norman. Uh, they play uh, Oklahoma. Uh, the Sooners are 14 and 11 on the season. Uh, so we'll see how that is. But really, I, I think that a lot of people are circling the matchup this coming weekend on Saturday. Uh, Texas Tech comes back to town. Chris Beard is actively promoting it to get more fans to the game. Uh, 11.30 in the morning tip-off uh, for there. Uh, what, you know, Eric, you and I have been around Texas sports for a long time. Um, where do you put what Chris Beard's doing? You know, it's hard to dent the football monolith that is Texas. You and I know that. I mean, yeah. it, is, it is that. What is he doing at, at Texas that you think uh, can help, I mean, make a dent, really, in that, that uh, one-sided kind of thing that Texas sports is? Uh, obviously, baseball fans are, are different. There's some volleyball fans out there, too. But they, Texas had a hard time really generating that long-lasting yeah. basketball following. Well, I mean, he's hitting it with uh, passion left and right. And, and, you know, he's he's making the ask. You know, you got to you gotta go and make the ask, the plea to the fans, and he's doing that. And so, you know, there's the old saying from Field of Dreams, if you build it, they will come. And I think there is some optimism that he is building it. Now, obviously, it's not fully built out. We know that, you know, the in inconsistent showing from Kansas to uh, – to the previous game, the Baylor game shows you that it's not not a fully built out thing. But I think there's optimism in the fan base. But he's making the ask and he's hitting it uh, with a lot of passion. Uh, he, he's obviously engaging. He's intense. Um, you know, I think that that what makes him a good coach is bleeding over to the fans. They're seeing that. You know, you can. It's not hard to see how he gets the most out of his players uh, on most nights. And so I think I think what makes him a good coach is making him sort of a good recruiter to the program uh, from the fan base. And really, he needs to keep it going for this year and then. Next year, Moody Center will do some of the work for him, some of that heavy lifting. <clears throat> if he starts winning games, and that that natural, then the 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 fan base does have the ability to, to to like basketball. We've seen that in the past. But if he puts that puts a good product together next year, um, in the, along with the new stadium, <clears throat> then a lot of his his own personal work is it will be done. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice. Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I think you, you hit on it. I, I think you used the right word, and that's passion. I mean, people are attracted to that in whatever sport, right? Yep. And I, I think you're winning in passion. Add those two things together, and that's the, that's a recipe for success. Um, on three also this week uh, released its recruiting rankings for basketball. Texas has the number two ranked prospect by on three coming 
into its next recruiting class, and that's Dylan Mitchell, uh, a small forward out of Montverde Academy uh, School, about 30 minutes north of Tampa, Florida. Uh, so uh, I tell you what, um, it, it's interesting what Chris Beard is doing. Uh, the baseball team, Longhorn baseball team, I mentioned this last week, preseason ranked number one by D1 Baseball. Uh, and then uh, the basketball team, the women's basketball team, also uh, ranked number 14 in the country. They actually have a big game this week, too. Uh, they, they host Iowa State tomorrow. Uh, Iowa State ranked sixth in the country. Texas women's basketball uh, currently ranked uh, 14. Um, Eric, uh, before we, we get going on this, or before we finalize this one, um, spring ball is set to start here. Uh, spring football is set to start here in approximately a month, right? Um, Texas is still after some other people in the portal uh, from a recruiting perspective. Um, they're also getting ready to host uh, official visits for 2023 class and get out on the road. The coaches are getting out on the road to go see 2023 prospects. Um, it, it, I wrote this morning uh, about the fact that recruiting timeline seems to be slowing. And I've talked to Jerry Hamilton about this as well. Yeah. And I know it's something that you kind of like, you know, have thought it, uh, about as well. You know, is this, is it just me or is this all kind of seem like it's jockeying for position? Like everybody's trying to see who they like and what yep. players they really have a shot at. Uh, but at the same time, trying to build it up. Yeah. There's a couple schools out there pushing for commitments in Texas tech and, and uh, Baylor to some degree, but not many uh, and certainly not Texas OU and, and A&M right now. Uh, what do you, what do you make of that? I mean, I know all the reasons and stuff, but what do you really make of that? And how does that sit for, for you as a, someone that covers Texas right now? Yeah, I mean, well, you still have your kids that are on an earlier timeline, and, and it's important that you're cognizant of that. You know, I can remember how, you know, Texas has, has lost some recruits uh, that, that they probably thought they had more time on. Justin Matabuke going back to uh, Charlie Strong's time. Uh, you know, obviously a couple San Antonio guys to Marvin Leal and Jalen Jones to A&M. So you have to be cognizant of timelines. That's first and foremost. And I don't think that this, uh, I don't think this staff is going to get caught with its pants down. So they've guarded their flank there. But yeah, there's a lot of uh, jockeying for position, you know. Um, once you have the timelines down, there are going to be some summer announcements. You know, we're expecting some, you know, Anthony Hill might announce in the summer, uh, Samaje Burrell, who we've been uh, increasingly higher on in the, in the recent weeks. I think he'll announce in the summer. There's, there's going to be some excitement, but yeah, the longer the timeline, uh, the, the longer the courtship and, and the more you're, you know, you don't want to overdo it, but you want to stay right there in the middle of the pack. You know, you don't want to have that all out lead because then you have the target on your back and everybody's gunning for your position. Uh, so you just want to be middle of the pack and then you want to be positioned well down the stretch, um, have your cell in place. And, you know, obviously this is, <laughs> Texas has to win, man. You can't come back and win five games, six games, seven games. It's not going to work. They won't have that same finish that they had last year. Uh, so yeah, jockeying for position, build relationships and also have contingencies, but it's also can work, work in their favor um, because they have an ever changing big board. Uh, and, you know, the longer that you have to develop, the more you uh, to, to uh, evaluate, the, the better you can set your board. Uh, you know, the more data we have on people, the, the, the better our judgment is, uh, you know, that that's for anything, you know, we, we become more of a known commodity. Uh, and so we've seen juniors that turn, turn out bad senior years. And we've seen juniors like Cameron, Cameron Williams that you never would have thought would be ranked as a top 10 player in the state uh, that just come out and, and look like entirely different players. So 
I think that that added timeline, that's actually a plus that we learned from Charlie Strong is the longer you wait, the more data you have. Now he couldn't capitalize on it, um, but scouting a senior years is incredibly valuable. Uh, and in the past, we didn't see a lot of that, especially under, you know, uh, Mac Brown, Tom Herman did okay at it, I guess, but uh, the longer timeline suits me, you know, I mean, it's boring uh, as for long stretches for us, it's hard to write at times, uh, but you know, it makes for an interesting December. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with all of what I, all of what you said. I, I think it's more of a trickle in effect. I, like I expect some announcements. So you expect there, there to be like a trickle of announcements yep. as opposed to this flood rush, right? Where everybody's announcing and your, your hair's on fire essentially, yeah. right? And what you and I have both have experienced before from, I mean, 10, 15, 20 years back. I mean, that's just how it was. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, still on the uh, thinking about the uh, uh, transfer portal, um, what do you expect Texas to be going after in this second wave of the or second or third wave, really, of the transfer portal uh, as we get into this uh, to the spring and early summer? I'd be very surprised if they didn't add a safety and I'd be very surprised if they didn't add a linebacker. Uh, and then there's room to go best player available or, or if they feel if they feel like, you know, they're getting what they need out of the roster in spring, they can always kick that and save the scholarship too. Um, but if it's a guy on a one-year rental, just get them in, you know, if it, you know, depth at offensive line or, you know, wherever else, but they're, they're in a position to go best player available after they get a safety and a linebacker, but they've got to get those two, you know, they would take another wide receiver uh, if they felt he upgraded, but you know, there's, there's a lot of young guys that want to develop as well. So I don't think they'll bring in a guy that's, you know, on equal footing as, as some of those other ones, you know, you don't want to stun anybody's growth and, and really like I wrote, you know, this is the year before the year. So you want to get those guys experience, but yeah, definitely a linebacker and definitely a safety. And if they get, well, you know, we shouldn't, I guess we shouldn't take uh, O'Shawn Mathis for granted either. Uh, right. But he's, he's a gigantic piece. He's a, you know, that's, I'm not going to say he's as big as Quinn years, but he's, he's, he's the, the number one defensive uh, need without a doubt. I mean, he can have a, a huge impact, you know, going back to what I said about the issues on the edge. Yeah. I was going to say you, you, you were like, you're like everybody. I mean, it's like Texas had issues on the edge last year and that's why that's one of the main problems with their uh, run defense. And um, there's a guy sitting there that is tailor made for it. Right. And so uh, uh, we'll see how that uh, plays out here in the near future as well. But uh all right, Eric, that, that's been this week's state of the program. As always, truly appreciate you. Uh, you uh, do a terrific job at Inside Texas as well. Uh, if you're interested in a subscription to Inside Texas, please join us there, uh, insidetexas.com. Uh, Eric Nalin, the publisher, is joining me today. Also, uh, On Texas Football uh, is uh, a video and podcast. Please click on the subscribe button on the bottom right, if you would. Uh, for Eric Nalin, I'm Bobby Burton. Thanks for listening to the State of the Program.